We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same. To go into the world, to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter. The greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls. And the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work. Man, I'm so thankful for Easter Sunday. Come on now, how many guys are excited about today? Man, it's good to see some of you. Some of you, I haven't seen you in over a year, which is awesome to see you today. And I don't say that condescending. Honestly, it's just great to see you. And uh, man, we're just, we are pumped about what God is doing in and through this church body. And here's what I want to say. No virus can hold us down, just like no grave could hold him down, right? Come on. Like God is greater than the challenges and the things that you and I face. And I know this. I know that this has been a trying season. I know that for some of you right now, you're facing some battles right now in your life personally, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your relationships, in your workplace. And, and there's some challenges right now that you're looking at and uh, you're facing them head on. And I just want to encourage you in this, and that is that he is alive. He's not dead in a grave somewhere. The gospel, the good news is that he's alive. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. And um, man, I'm just, I'm pumped. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now, someone who you did not come with today, and I want you to say, you're looking good. Come on, just go ahead and do that right now. Come on, say, you're looking good. You're looking good. Just say to someone around you, you're looking good. You got your Sunday best on. Some of you are like, hey, listen, I just got out of bed today. That's my best today. Hey, whatever it is, that's cool. If you're watching online right now and you're, you're sitting here and you're watching online, you're thinking in your mind, you're like, man, I don't have my Sunday best on. It's okay. You are in your best whatever you're in right now, right? And uh, so, man, it's just good to, to see people coming together. It's good to see uh, the church alive. Um, now, when I, was, when I was a little kid, some of you maybe can relate to this. How many of you uh, celebrated Easter at a whole nother level when you were a kid? Come on now, raise your hand real quick. All right, all right. Yeah, for me, my parents were all over Easter. Like, Easter was our jam. It was like we didn't do a whole lot for Halloween, but for Easter, mom pulled out all the stops. 
It was like we had the Easter basket. We had Easter egg hunts. My mom didn't have deviled eggs. She had angel eggs. You know, like she just, like whatever happened, like she wanted us to understand what Easter was all about. There was no Easter bunny. It was all about Jesus, you know, and like mom would constantly be pouring into us. But one of the things that we did for Easter was we always got dressed up. So I remember putting on ties, and I'm not talking about just, you know, like a, a clip-on bow tie. I'm talking about real tie-the-tie type ties. And I think the reason why was because if it was one of those clip ones, when mom would go to drag me out, you know, or kind of hang me up, she needed there to be a little bit of a noose in there, you know, to kind of, uh, and kind of bring me back a little bit uh, in there. Um, but one thing my mom always came through really strong every year was my mom made like incredible Easter baskets. And inside of those Easter baskets was all our favorite candy. There would normally be some type of significant gift inside of there. And we loved Easter. And my mom would take the Easter baskets and she would hide them around the house. And uh, it was our job as kids to wake up early on Easter morning and go find the Easter basket. And if we couldn't find it, she would give us clues and she'd hide them in cabinets, put them in closets. As we got older, she tried hiding them more and more. And, and I was thinking about that and reflecting upon Easter and, and thinking about how my mom worked really hard to make Easter extraordinary. She would put a lot of time and effort into it and and as we got older, things began to change. In fact, I've watched this with my own kids. So we have three kids. My wife, Kasha, and I have three kids. Our oldest is Jordan. She's a junior at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. She's studying to be a nurse. She's just doing an amazing job. She's probably watching online right now. So love you, sweetie. And uh, the guy you're with right now, Alan, I like you too. And... Uh, <laughs> She's in Minneapolis visiting his family and stuff like that. No offense, Alan, or anything, but I just don't know if anyone can ever be good enough to, you know, I don't know if that's just a dad thing. It's like, how, how do you, I don't know, come on, maybe some guys need to talk to me afterwards about this because it's kind of depressing and stuff, and um, maybe it's just because I know that when the wedding day comes, I'm going to be broke, and uh, uh, because Kasha's already said, you've known about this, Brian, and we're going to do it right. We only have one girl. And I'm like, all right. And uh, what mama wants, mama gets, right? Come on now. And uh, so, but, uh, and then we got two boys, Gabe and uh, Josiah. Gabe is 18, senior, uh, getting ready to graduate, going to be going to SEU as well. And then Josiah is our youngest. He's 16. And this is the first Easter in our history since we've been married and had kids, that our kids are not at home, which is really weird. And um, so the boys are down for spring break and uh, with my parents down in Florida. And Jordan is with, you know, this guy and uh, her boyfriend. And uh, she's with him and um, they're flying back to Lakeland today. And, um, and I was reflecting on that, Kasha and I, we went out hiking yesterday and we were talking, man, it's just so weird, isn't it? Like thinking like the kids aren't going to be here and like, what are we going to do? And I think we're actually going to go camping tonight, which is really weird. We're just going to go tent camping. We're like, why not? We don't have kids. Let's just go and uh, take the day off tomorrow and, and kind of relax and tent camp. And if you, I have no idea where we're doing it. I, I don't know. We're just, we're just going to go. And uh, Kasha said when we were hiking yesterday that she says this, she goes, man, I just can't wait for grandkids. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
we got to slow this train down here. She's like, well, you know. And I'm like, I don't know what you're meaning. And, uh, and then I was like, no, I understand. She's like, I just, you know, like the zoo days, like when our kids were little, we could take them to the zoo and we could take them to the playground and, and we could do all these fun things and we could do Easter baskets for them and Easter egg hunts and the kids actually appreciated it. And then I realized what she was saying. See, she made Easter baskets for the boys this year. Now, Jordan, we just sent her a digital Easter basket. I, I sent her $50 in Apple cash, and she's happy with that, right? Um, the boys, Kasha, I mean, she, she really went in. She got certain kinds of candies that she knew she, that they would like. She got them, you know, shirts, went shopping, went multiple times shopping. That's, I mean, she made these nice baskets, got them all ready. The boys are going to be gone. Let's do it on a special night before they leave. So she gets it all, and the boys come in like, hey, we want our Easter baskets. And basically, they just kind of rip them open, look at them like, oh, this is cool dump them out, but there's no excitement. There's not like that, you know, when they're little, they're like, oh, this is the greatest thing, right? And they pull them out one by one, like, oh, you're the greatest mom. And there's like the satisfaction that comes here. Now they're kind of like, oh, candy, okay, dump that out. And then they're like, oh, t-shirt, oh, that's cool, all right. That's just kind of how it goes. It just has seemed to go from extraordinary when they were younger to now very ordinary. And I had this thought, is that how we respond to Easter? Like in some ways, it's like when we start off with Easter, it's like, remember, remember the first time you realized what Easter was really all about? When you, when you realized it was about Jesus' death, but then not just his death, his burial, but then not just burial, then three days later he raises from the dead. Like, and that right there is what the whole Christian faith is all about, that he's not dead in a grave somewhere, but that he's alive right now. And, and when that happened, you were like, this is extraordinary. When he changed your life, when you accepted him into your life, you're like, you know what? I'm going from being condemned to now being forgiven. When you realized it wasn't something you had to earn, it was just something you had to receive. Remember that? It was like this extraordinary moment. And it reminded me of like our kids when they were younger with their Easter baskets. In the beginning, they were just like so like, oh my goodness. But as time went on, it went from extraordinary to just ordinary. And I think in some of our lives, that is a little bit what has happened with Easter. We've gone from the extraordinary message of what Easter is all about to just kind of being like, it's ordinary. I mean, we come to church, not a big deal. Like, it's good. Like, we celebrate the resurrection. It's good, but it's just this ordinary celebration. And I was thinking about the whole story of Easter and so I went out and I was like, you know what, man, can I find a spoken word? Can I, can I find something that would kind of bring us back to recognizing that this is not an ordinary story? That the story of Easter is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. That it's literally that Christ left heaven and came to earth. And I came across this spoken word and, and I was captured by the words in it because there's words like back to life, and there's words like the fact that he was born in a manger. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, this right here is the gospel in poetic form. It goes like this. This is the story of a man who came according to a plan. The same man who was born in a manger walked as a stranger on this earth, placed the danger of our sin on his shoulders, suffered on a cross and placed behind the boulders he was born. 
a dead man. But beauty is in the eye of the beholder and how beautiful the story ends, but not with the grave, but with the resurrection of this man to save, to save us. To see it was for us. It was not that he was weak and that he gave up, but it was the fact that he cried in the garden and said, Father, save me. For when God did not save him, it was because he was saving us. He took his gaze off his own son to fix his gaze upon us. It was not that he was weak and gave up that he died. It was that he was strong enough not to give up so that you and I could live. And now this is the most beautiful story ever told. A stone that rolled and a man who rose, but not just any man. The only man who can see past our sin and into our souls who makes us whole and new. And now I bet you're asking, how could this be true? See, from the beginning he knew what it would take to renew a right relationship between God and you, something only he could do, and so he did, he undid. Our wrongs gave us freedom from sin, freedom from shame, and if we just call on his name, because he bore it all on the cross, brought it to the grave, defeated it in his death, and left it there when he raised his head again. So child of God, raise your head again. Because you're not what you've been. You've been reclaimed and renamed. Not lost, but saved by amazing grace. His nails he traced. Your name on his hands. So surely you are not forgotten. In fact, he now completely understands every temptation and pain. He sees past every problem and removes every stain. He has walked through it all himself. And now he walks through it with you. Took every wrong to death so he could make us new. Make the broken whole, body, mind, and soul, set the captives free. Give hopeless to the song to sing. Death has lost its sting. Because we now share in his life, he is the savior of the world. His name is Jesus Christ. And this, my friends, is what you've been waiting for, who you've been searching for, what you've been knocking on every door for to find life but not anymore. Your life is found in an empty grave and an occupied throne. And let it be known that he's coming back again. Only left earth for a while so he could send with us his spirit without limits so we could walk in it and share in his glory that he was dead and raised back to life. And this is our story. If we choose it, we choose to receive. The same power for our lives, it's nothing we can achieve. It's only for those who believe in the hope of his victory, and he has won the victory both now and forever. So whatever in your life you think is lost or dead, it's actually been waiting to breathe new life instead because Christ has the final word, and that's what he said. So praise him for the cross, for his death and sacrifice. Praise him for his ascension and every breath and new life. Praise him with the freedom. Praise him for his grace. Praise him for the day that you will see him face to face. For hallelujah, he is king, and hallelujah, he's not dead, and hallelujah, he is Christ, and hallelujah, he's been raised to life. For Savior of the world, sing hallelujah, because he is back to life. Come on. And the gospel is life-changing. Something that was once ordinary becomes extraordinary. Your story goes from an ordinary story to an extraordinary story because of one simple encounter with him. And I had this thought as we were preparing for this 
message this weekend and for the series that we're starting today, Back to Life. And I wonder what needs to be brought back to life. What is it in your life right now that needs to be brought back to life? For some of you, this is your first time coming back into a large gathering because of COVID, because of circumstances, because of whatever it may be. And God is saying, listen, I want to bring something back to life. Some of you are still in your homes right now and you're engaging. And maybe for you, that's going to be the digital space that you'll engage in for a long time. And that's okay because God wants to bring things back to life. Whether you're in the house, whether you're watching online, he wants to bring things back to life in your life because because he is not an ordinary God, he's an extraordinary God. The whole Easter story is this theme of back to life. The cross is powerful, but if the cross was the end, then it would not be a life-changing story. But it's because the cross leads to the resurrection. It's because the cross where Jesus is betrayed in a moment by a kiss by a man named Judas who was one of his own. But remember, Judas was the one also who Jesus invited to gather around the table. Jesus knew that Judas would betray and yet he still welcomed him in. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, and he's praying so fervently that the Word of God tells us he had tears of blood running down. Why? Because in his mind, he was saying, if this cup could pass, if there was another way, then let's take that. For he knew what was getting ready to happen. But because he was not an ordinary God, he's an extraordinary God. He said, you know, I got to do this. I've got to do this for all of mankind. So what needs to come back to life? And I started thinking about our body, mind, and soul, and I I started thinking about how inside of each and every one of us, there's this idea of something spiritually that needs to be brought back to life. In fact, today, that's what we're going to focus in on, is this idea of spiritually, what needs to come back to life in you? And here's what I believe. I believe that spiritually, it's how we respond that matters. See, it's not something you earn, it's something that you receive. How you respond spiritually determines what comes back to life emotionally, we look at it and we say, how do we relate? How do we relate to the things that are going on around us? Mentally, we think about how do we think? What, what's going on up here in the mind? And then physically, it's how we live. And so each week, we're going to unpack these different thoughts. This week, spiritually. Next week, emotionally. The week after that, mentally. And then physically. We're going to talk about what it looks like to bring things back to life physically. What does it look like to bring things back mentally to life? What does it look like emotionally to actually think about how we relate to one another? See, the resurrection power is what brings our spiritual and emotional and our physical and mental back to life. And when we think about what God is doing, we have to respond. And it's spiritually how we respond in these moments that makes the difference. If I was to put it into one big idea today, it would be this. Jesus took care of our spiritual problem, but we decide how we will respond. See, we don't, you don't have to worry about making it possible. You just have to worry about how you respond. Is it just become ordinary? Is the gospel just this ordinary thing where it's like, ah, I mean, it's great. Grew up in the church. I understand resurrection. Great. Or is it actually something That's extraordinary. Our mission here at Bethany is real simple. We're all about bringing people one step closer by loving God, loving people, and loving life. There's a theme there, hopefully, that you see. 
It's a theme of progress, but it's also a theme of love. We love God, we love each other, and then we love life. Have you ever met somebody who didn't love life before? And you think in your mind, you're like, dude, like, why are you like the most miserable person ever? And you say you love God and you say you love others, but like you do not love life. Can I just tell you, Christians, we're the party animals. Like we're the ones who bring life to the party. We're the ones who bring life to the culture around us. Why? Because we don't need some stimulus or some other thing out there to have a good time. We have an extraordinary message that has changed our lives, brought us from ordinary to extraordinary. That right there makes us the life of the party. I'm so tired of going into places and people are like, dude, Christians are a bunch of boring people. I'm like, why? Well, they're all about the do's and the don'ts. Why not? Let's live a life about loving others. Let's live life where we're actually responding to the gospel in a way that becomes attractive to others. Let's actually live a life in a way that people go, I want what you have. So Paul, well, Paul was once known as Saul. And Saul is a guy who um, had a lot of knowledge about who God was. He, he um, man, he just, he knew it. He had studied underneath some amazing religious leaders of his time. But, but Saul only knew things from a theological sense, not from a personal sense. He didn't understand that Jesus had come to fulfill the law. He didn't understand that he was the fulfillment, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, the very thing that he had been studying. And so he went out persecuting Christians. He was one who was known to actually uh, kill Christians. He was, he was one who had all the knowledge up here religiously, but had nothing personally. And Saul has this road to Damascus moment. It's, we see about it in Acts chapter 6. Or no, Acts chapter 9 actually is where it is. But in Acts chapter 9, we see where Saul has this moment where he's on the road to Damascus. He loses his sight. He has this encounter with God where he recognizes that it's God. And, and God in his grace and mercy ends up bringing another who comes and, and delivers a message to him. And through that message, Saul has a radical encounter with God that changes his life. He goes from a person who was destroying others to now a person who was loving others. I can really relate to Saul's story in many ways, and part of it is because Saul, when I think about him, I relate to him because I think we can all get really puffy when it comes to gaining knowledge about God to where we actually begin to forget that God's actually called us to love the culture around us. And, and so Paul has this encounter with God, and he he writes a third of the New Testament, actually. His, his name goes from Saul to Paul because of this encounter. And uh, if you have your Bibles, in fact, let's just read about this. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 4 through 11. If not, it'll be up on the screens. But Paul writes this because he's had this encounter with God that's changed everything. He understands that God is not just an ordinary God, but he's actually an extraordinary God. And it says this uh, in verse 4. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. See, here's the thing I love so much is God is in the business of bringing things back to life. 
It goes on to say, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that we, or so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when, when Christ, um, when, <laughs> when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. I want you to remember something this morning, and that is this, that you've been set free from sin. You don't have to go back to that stinking old way of thinking. You have been set free. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That's more than just a statement. It's the truth. We don't have to keep going back to sinful patterns. I talk to people all the time. They'll say, you know, Pastor Brown, I just I keep struggling with the sin. I just keep struggling. Here's what I want to remind you of. You've been set free from it. And if you've been set free, stop going back to it. Stop going back to those sinful things. Well, it's just, man, it's just something I struggle with. Then break it. Well, it's just a generational curse. It's just something my, my daddy dealt with it. My mama, you know, my mama dealt with it. My grandma dealt with it. Okay, someone has to actually take the freedom that they have and go from ordinary living to extraordinary living. Someone has to be willing to take a stand and say, you know what? Not on my watch. Not in my family, not in my life. I am determined to actually have victory, and I don't have to earn the victory. All I have to do is walk in the victory. So Paul reminds us, he says, listen, you were once slave to sin, but now you've been set free. You've been set free to live. He goes on to say, and since we die with Christ, we also know we live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. See, the gospel, the Easter story, is all about the fact that he brings dead things back to life. It's about the fact that you were once dead in sin, but now you've been set free. It's about the fact that the good news is, is that Jesus chose you and that you can choose him. The beauty of Easter is that it reminds us of what Christ did. Jesus took care of our spiritual problem, but we decide how we will respond. Now, I love this. As you, as you dig a little bit later in the chapter, in Romans chapter 13, in fact, we're going to kind of be all over in Romans today because it's an incredible book for you and I to understand the love of the Savior. I know this may not be like that typical Easter message where it's like, man, are you going to focus on just the resurrection? Well, that's part of the story, but there's so much more to the story. Christ came to take your ordinary and make it extraordinary. In Romans 13, verse 9, it starts off, it says, All these commands and all other commands are really only one rule. Love your neighbor the same as you love yourself. Now let me pause here for a second. If you were to read a few verses ahead of that, what he talks about, he says, you know, do not commit adultery. Don't do these things. Like there's, there's a lot of these do's and don'ts. And, and here's how we tend to focus. We tend to focus on all the do's and don'ts. In fact, what we tend to do is point out all the things around us that other people are doing that are in the don'ts. The, the church, well, let me just say this. I'm not going to mar the church. There are Christians who think their job is the role of the Holy Spirit. And some of us, we begin thinking that our job is not to love our neighbors 
as we want to be loved, but, but it's actually to point out their faults. So we get all bent out of shape when someone makes a pair of shoes that are Satan's shoes. And here's the deal. Listen, here's the deal about that whole thing. And I know some of you are like, oh, are you really going there? Here we are. Yes, I'm going there. Because here's the thing. I don't expect someone who's not a Christian to act like a Christian. Okay? How is he going to become a Christian when all the Christians are shooting bullets at him because he made a pair of Satan shoes? Here's the thing. You may say, well, have you watched his music video? No. Why? I don't watch that kind of stuff. I don't support that. But I also don't expect someone who's not a Christian to act like a Christian. Guess what? We live in a fallen world. So, well, Pastor Brian, then what do we need to do? Well, here's what we need to do. We need to live out the gospel. We need to live it out in such a way that other people are attracted to it and that other people say, you know what? I want what you have. Because what you seem to have is not ordinary. It seems to be extraordinary. The gospel is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. So maybe you have treated Christianity like an old Easter basket that you've grown accustomed to in life. And you look at it and you go, well, it's just normal. It's just ordinary. It's not that big of a deal. Let's get back to that childlike faith and actually look at Christianity and realize it's an extraordinary life-changing message that can change everyone else's life as well. So he goes on to write this. Paul writes, love doesn't hurt others. So loving is the same as obeying all the law. I say this because you know that we live in an important time. Yes, it is now time for you to wake up from your sleep. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost finished. The day is almost here. So we should stop doing whatever belongs to darkness. Come on now. Too many people looking at the church and saying, you point out this sin, but you don't point out this sin and this sin. And the reason why you don't point out this sin or that sin is because you're dealing with that sin and this sin. So easily we point out the, the log in other people's eyes. And in other people's lives, we say, oh man, you know what, that, that person right there. Come on, let, let's just live it out. This, the, the gospel is all about loving our neighbors as ourselves. Now listen, that does not mean we rejoice in sin. And it doesn't mean we keep sinning all the more. Paul talks about that. We don't keep doing that. No, we turn from sin. We, we don't love sin. We hate sin. We, but we love the people. We love people around us. We live it out for them. Let's go on. It says, we should prepare ourselves to fight evil with weapons that belong to the light. See, we're in a battle. Me, you, each and every one of us. There's a battle for your soul and there's a battle for the soul of America. There's a battle for this world. There's a battle for people's lives. It says we should live in a right way like people who belong to the day. We should not have wild parties or be drunk. We should not be involved in sexual sin of any kind of immoral behavior. We should not cause arguments. Mm-hmm. Or trouble, or be jealous. It's interesting because we like to point out that first one. Yep, no wild parties, no drinking, and no sex. That's what we talk about all the time. We're so focused on some of these cultural issues right now. Here, listen, come on, remember, the world will not act like Christ because they're not of Christ. The way that we see change happen is we live it out in such a way that it's attractive to others. 
that we walk out the freedom that we have, that we walk out the light that we've been called to, that we don't cause arguments and we're not troublemakers and we're not jealous of what's happening around us. But here's, here's the key. Here it is. I love this right here. But be like the Lord Jesus Christ so that when people see what you do, they will see Christ. That, that's the key right there. Be like Lord Jesus Christ, so that when people see what you do, they will see Christ. That's how we win culture around us. That's how we make a difference. That's how we actually take things from ordinary to extraordinary, because that's what the gospel is. It blows my mind still that God loves me. Because sometimes I blow it. Here's the thing, it's never been about me earning it. It's simply been about me receiving it. Now, I know sin is not a popular thing anymore. We don't, we, we don't like to talk about sin, but sin is something that keeps us separate from God. Sin is a real thing. And that sin separates us. And I know it's not politically correct or anything like that, but sin is sin. And we have all sinned and we've all fallen short. And so what does it, the Bible clearly talks about that the judgment, the penalty for our sin is eternal death in hell. Separation from God. But God, in his extraordinary love, says here's a free gift. Will you respond? I love Romans 5.8. It says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I always like to kind of give it the Brian Henley translation in there. But God shows his love for us that while we were still messed up, jacked up, screwed up, Christ died for us. It wasn't because you had it all together. When I was six years old and I gave my life to Christ, that, that was when my extraordinary moment happened. Now listen, at six years old, how bad could I be? I don't know, but I knew I was bad enough where I needed God. My mom could probably tell you some stories about how bad I was. I mean, I got kicked out of Sunday school. I was a naughty kid. I did some dumb stuff. But God, in his extraordinary love for me, said, Brian, it's never been about what you earned. It's always been about what you receive. See, Jesus took care of our spiritual problem. So here's the question. Will you choose forgiveness? If Jesus took care of your spiritual problem, it just comes down to a moment of us choosing forgiveness. Like if, if your heart was a room right now and we were to look at your heart, what would your heart be filled with? Would it be filled with stuff you're trying to hide? Would it be filled with pain and heartaches? Would it be filled with just the stuff of this world? Or would it be a place where your heart has been forgiven? See, God loves you at your worst. His love for you never changes. See, no matter what the headline of your life is, whether it's marriage that's failed, maybe it's, uh, you know, job failure, maybe it's uh, my family's a wreck, maybe it's I'm lonely, maybe it's I feel like I'm, I'm about to lose everything, maybe you are going to lose a home, or, or maybe you're starting a new business and you just don't know, you're just kind of, you, you have no idea what's going on. Maybe you're, you're starting in a new relationship, or maybe you're actually ending a relationship. I don't know why or what you're facing or even what the headline knows, but here's what I know it can say, is it can simply read forgiven. And if it reads forgiven, 
then you go from ordinary to extraordinary. Your story goes from a place of ordinary uh, story when you tell people about it, but it goes to something extraordinary. And you can look at your friend and you can say, you know what, listen, I don't understand it. It doesn't even make sense to me. But all I know is I was once lost and now I'm found. I know I was once broken, but then God put me back together. I know I was once addicted to this, but God set me free. Come on now. That is the gospel. That's the extraordinary place that God brings us to. Jesus took care of our spiritual problems, so we choose forgiveness. First John chapter 4, verse 10 says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, I wonder today um, if I could give us an example of what I think sometimes we're dealing with. But I have a balloon here in my pocket. And let's just say that this balloon right here, if I can get it, Let's say that this balloon right here represents you and me. I'm going to put a bunch of air into it for in, here in a second. And I, I think sometimes as Christians, um, we get puffed up and filled up with knowledge. And so it's like we, we, we feel like we're growing. We feel like things are happening. So here, here let, just let me blow this up for a second. Some of you getting nervous. <laughs> True story. I was, uh, when I was a kid's pastor, I was doing this illustration. I was talking about the armor of God, and I blew up this balloon and put it in here, and you do this spike through, and it's an, it's a, an illusion and everything. And I'm sitting there, I'm talking about, like, the God will protect you and everything. And all of a sudden, I put the thing through, and the balloon popped. And I was like, well, sometimes you die. <laughs> and, and it was like, all right, here we go. Let's roll with it. <laughs> um, but I did have another balloon in here just in case it popped, you know. But um, this, this, is, this is kind of like us as Christians. Um, we get all puffed up with, with knowledge, with, with these things. And, and then we think that life is about do's and don'ts. And here's what I mean by that is we think that it's our responsibility to keep us afloat. And so we're, we're just like, man, I just, I've got, if I don't do drugs... And I don't, I don't have sex, and I, 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 don't, I don't do bad things. And we, we think that it's our responsibility to keep us afloat. And then, so we're like, so if I read my Bible, and I go to church, and I worship, and I do these things, that then somehow I'm doing what I'm actually called to do. But the reality of it is, is that the place that we've been called to is not a place of trying to figure it all out. But it's actually just a place of resting. If this is the hand of God, let's just say, and this is our life, we just rest in him. We, we don't have to try to figure it all out. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's, not about, it's literally just about resting in him. It's the fact that Christ has already taken care of everything for us. We don't have to worry anymore about what's happening. We just rest in his palm. And God's like, hey, let's go here. And you're like, okay, I got it. God's like, hey, come over here. Okay. Come over here. Okay. It's not this moment of up and down. And that's how I think a lot of us treat Christianity is we, we treat God like it's this up and down experience. And so we're like, I'm, I'm going to live for God. And today you're like, oh, I'm ready to go. And then next week comes and you're struggling because you faced something that week. And you, instead of resting in the palm of the Savior and recognizing that he took care of everything for you, you try to figure it out. You try to keep yourself afloat. 
and if I just gain more knowledge, and if I just do this, and I just do that, then all of a sudden, I'll be okay. But God has called us to something more than that. See, when Jesus was on the cross, he, he said this simple phrase. So he, he bears the sin of mankind, right? So we know the story. So Garden of Gethsemane, praying, um, leads to the, his betrayal, crown of thorns placed on his head, scourge him. I mean, like, Good Friday is all about that. He dies, but in that moment, right before he dies, he says one simple phrase that changes everything. And he says, it is finished. And when he says it is finished, he's saying, you and I can rest in him. It's finished. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to grow enough in your knowledge. Are those things great? Yes. But it's not about, it's about understanding the finished product of what he's already done. He says, it is finished. Just rest in me. It is finished. I've taken care of it. It is finished. And here's the beauty is he says that it is finished and then he shows how it's finished. Because he goes and he um, is buried in a grave and then three days later he comes back to life. But in the process of that, he goes down to hell, gets keys of, of death and hell, and he's like, listen, I'm taking care of all of this. I'm taking care of all of this for all of mankind. Romans 13, 14 says, don't think about how to satisfy the desires of your self, or sinful self. What's it talking about? It, it's reminding us, once again, Paul's reminding us, listen, listen, don't go back to that old way of thinking. It's finished. Don't go back to thinking, how can I satisfy these sinful desires? No, 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 no. You've been set free. You've been changed from ordinary to extraordinary. So what do we do? Well, we recognize like Romans 2, 4, Paul writes this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Paul reminds us, that we can rest in him. I wonder today what you're resting in. I wonder today if you have treated your Christianity, your faith, your faith, like this. Oh, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta do enough. I've gotta be enough. I've gotta, I've just, if I could do this. And, and then when you fail, you beat yourself up. How do I know that? Because I've been right there at times in my own life. A moment of failure and I just go, man, see here, here I'm a pastor, like I'm a leader. Like, man, like I've been called and like I'm still failing. And I hurt my wife at times for the things I say or the things I do and I feel like, man, but that's me trying to keep it all going. And God says, Brian, just rest in me. Just, just put yourself in my hand. Go from ordinary to extraordinary. Today I wonder where you're at. I, I know some of you are like, man, Pastor Brian, you're kind of like, like going at it today. Man, here's the thing. I don't think we have time anymore to play around. It's like if, if anything COVID's taught us, it's this. It's like this whole thing could get shut down. And who will we be without this? You can't rely just on, 
on me or other pastors that are out there to feed you. You got to learn how to grow and feed yourself. When the Bible talks about, you know, like we need to get to the meat, it's not talking about just deep scriptures. Some people say, Pastor Brian, I just, I wish you were more of a meaty preacher. I'm like, my job is to teach you how to eat meat. That's That's what it is. It's like, so that during the week you can eat. And so what I'm telling you today is this, is we need to go from ordinary to extraordinary. How do we do it? By resting in him. By resting in him. So where are you resting? I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment this morning. Maybe even those who are watching online right now, if you could just participate in this moment. Because I believe God is here in this house. He's there in your house. Wherever you are. Wherever you're watching from. And he's reaching out to you. And he's saying, we just rest in the palm of my hand. I've got you. Just rest in me. Just receive. You don't have to keep trying to figure it out. Keep yourself afloat. Just rest in me. Just rest in me. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Brian? Like, if I was to just evaluate my life right now. It feels like I've been trying to do things on my own. And right now, I need to surrender to God. I need to rest in his palm. See, what makes the gospel extraordinary is the fact that Christ is crazy, madly in love with you, even in your brokenness. The Holy Spirit is not a condemner, but he's a convictor. Conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation, there's no hope. But in conviction, there is hope. God is looking to you right now. He's saying, listen, there's some areas in your life you've been trying to do this on your own, but I'm telling you, if you'll rest in me, I'll take care of that. I'm telling you, that sin right there that you seem to keep trying to get victory over, I can set you free from that. But you gotta receive. And so for the first time today, you're saying, you know what, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I want to take that step today. Or maybe it's a, it's a moment of recommitting your life where you realize you have fallen away and you've been trying to do things on your own. And you're saying, you know what, I want to come back to Christ. I, I want to come back to that moment right now. And God is looking at you and saying, will you just rest in the palm of my hand? Will you rest in forgiveness? And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Brian, that's me. I need, to, I need that forgiveness. And whether it's for the first time or a recommitment, I want to just pray a real simple prayer with you that I believe will start the journey. It starts it. Because then you've got to just continue to walk it out. Not earn it, just walk it out. And God is reaching out to you and saying, it starts right here with forgiveness. And if that's you today, you'd say, you know what, I need that. I, I, I want to pray that prayer with you, Pastor Brian. If that's you, real quickly, would you just raise your hand? you just say, Pastor Brian, that's me. I see that hand. 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 You just say, I just, I need to take that step today. I see that hand right there. God's just reaching out to you and he's saying, listen, I love you right where you are. I want us to pray with those who raise their hand and maybe you haven't raised your hand. You're like, man, I just don't know. I just don't know. Just repeat this prayer with me and let's just start this journey together. Would you all say this with me? Would you say, Jesus, can't do this on my own. I need you. Would you forgive me? From this day forward, I want to live for you.
So change me. Forgive me. In the midst of the trials I've been facing, I recognize that you want to hold me. So right now, I put my life in the palm of your hand. Hold me in the midst of these trials. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, here's what I want to tell you. The angels in heaven are rejoicing right now because here's what God does. This is, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you guys, because you guys know the end story. So hold on, let me just, let me just say, okay. Your life goes from ordinary, sin-filled life to now extraordinary because what happened is, is God literally just forgave you of all your sins. You may say, is it really that simple? It really is that simple. And what happens is you just put yourself in the palm of his hand and say, God, I trust you. And God is crazy, madly in love with you. And we rejoice in that because you've been forgiven. Now we can clap. Come on now. That's exciting. And if you prayed that prayer, we want to walk this journey with you. And so that connect card that Pastor Bryce talked about earlier is in the seat pocket. Just mark one of those things out. And then just afterwards, just go right up. There's going to be a prayer team that will be up front. But there also will be people at Group Hub. They can connect with you. You can tell someone who's around you. Um, about those things. So I want to do this one last thing. I want to pray over every believer here because I believe right now it is more important than ever before for us to live our faith out. It's more important than ever before for us to realize the message of the gospel is extraordinary. And so would you just right now as a believer in Christ, would you just put your hands out like in a moment of just receiving right now? I just want to speak a blessing over you. Father, I speak a blessing over every believer right now who's in the house, who's watching online. I pray, God, that you would bless them in their marriages. You would bless them in their relationships. You'd bless them there in their finances. I pray, God, that you would show yourself faithful to them. I pray, God, that as they continue to trust you, God, that you would take them from ordinary to extraordinary. I pray that as they share their story, God, they would inspire others around them to take steps in their walk too. Father, it would not be walks of perfection. It would be walks simply of forgiven. And I pray, God, that in that forgiveness, we would see victory happen. We would see freedom happen. And God, that we would live a life that would be so attractive to others that as we rest in the palm of your hand, they would say, I want what you have. And I pray, God, that we would then share our simple story of life change. God, you are a faithful God. We thank you. It is in the name that is above all their names, the name of Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen and amen and amen. <laughs>